You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to this holiday edition of the Out of Structure Podcast. We welcome everybody back. Hope you all had a tremendous holiday and really enjoyed your Chiefs football experience this week. Uh, Matt Sagner here with Ron Cobb Jr. as always. Uh, thanks for joining us. Ron, how was your holiday? Yeah, well, you know, my holiday was predicated around this Chiefs team. Um, the family taking them out to Arrowhead Stadium. So, so, so not good, huh? <laughs> Bear in the cold weather. I'm getting to it, Sag. I'm getting to it. Uh, Bear in the cold weather. The winds, a little bit of rain. Uh, family had a great time. Got to the parking lot a little early. Took pictures, threw the football around. Ate a little food. We didn't tailgate much. You know, it's cold. I wasn't trying to put them through all that. Got in the stadium early. Got them the hot chocolate. You know, little uh, little Baileys in it, too. Shout out Arrowhead for that. Big group of us. It was about 10, uh, 11 of us total. Uh, my wife's side and I. Great day. It really was a great day. And then the Chiefs played football. <laughs> and then the well, Chiefs played well, football stags. So I'm just looking through the box score here. Uh, it looks like the Chiefs defense allowed only two field goals. The Chiefs had two long touchdown drives, um, get a sack by Chris Jones and a sack by Charles Menehue. Uh, you had big plays on offense, 45 yards to Richie James, 24 yards to Travis Kelsey, 32 yards to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, Patrick Mahomes ran the ball well, 53 yards rushing. I mean, this is probably a, this was probably a good day for the Chiefs, wasn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, they're, you know, Aiden O'Connell didn't complete a pass after the first quarter, how could a team that does that win yeah, a they, game ever? They held Devontae Adams to one catch on six targets for four yards. Four yards. Their best player. And also their their other best player wasn't even playing this week. So what could have gone wrong? That's a great question, Stags. And we were all asking ourselves the same thing when, when right in front of us, because we sit on the 40-yard line behind the opponent's bench, uh, right in front of us we saw two defensive touchdowns pretty much uh, in back-to-back plays. And that's when it just felt like uh, this season – that felt like the really the, the, the Mahomes pick six really just felt like a, a, a deflating thing for the entire season uh, a little bit. And obviously there's a, long, a, a lot of game to go after that. But my gosh, Stags, I mean, we talk about this offense being sloppy. Those two plays back-to-back to open drives after they scored a touchdown on a, in a nice methodical drive. I mean, I am telling you – I have never been more shell-shocked, more discouraged, more disappointed uh, in this team being at that stadium. Um, and, and that's the thing. They made an effort towards the end. It became, you know, I, I was having a great time because we were rooting them on for the comeback. But, you know, let's, you know, let, let's be honest, man. Those two plays were, were, were gutting, to, uh, you know, just, just discouraging. And, uh, and man, I, I, this team really needs to, to stop doing those sloppy plays if they, if they want to turn it around or it's just going to be the same story over and over. But, but, but yeah, Stacks, I don't I'm speaking of the same story over and over. Um, this, this team had 11 offensive drives this week. Uh, they basically had four, three and outs. So three, three and outs and one five and out that went for eight yards total. So I'm calling it three, four, three and outs. They had those two turnovers for touchdowns. They had two turnovers on on downs inside Raiders territory, one of them on the seven-yard line. They missed a field goal. Um, They had another interception that was overturned on their final drive. Their running backs had 14 carries for 20 yards. Rasheed Rice caught only half of his targets. Yeah, I mean, this is a partridge in a pear tree. I mean, this was was everything that could go wrong on offense uh, did. Yeah, no, I, I really sitting there as someone that goes to, you know, a, a lot of games like it really felt to me like the worst is ever looked in the Mahomes era um, in terms of just how sloppy and ineffective were there. How many times did we see them 
rehuddle after a play. There was that fourth and da- fourth down play where Pacheco doesn't line up right. Mahomes has to burn the timeout. Um, there were other times where, yeah, again, they have they're laid out of the huddle and they can't make the, the you know the right adjustments or the right you know the snaps are a little rushed or the excuse me the motions are a little rushed. Um, it just it I to be honest with you, it reminded me of a specific game in the 2017 season with Alex Smith, uh, the Bills home game. If anyone's interested, go look it up. I think they scored an opening drive touchdown and didn't do anything else the rest of the game. Alex threw an interception to end the game. And I don't know, for some reason, it's just like, it's just, it reminded, it, it was the most, it was the most the game has ever reminded me of the before times, the, 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 the before era. Uh, and, you know, just with how sloppy the execution was, how lost everyone looked um, on Christmas day, man. I don't know. That was just, a, I was, I was very disappointed. I know I keep saying it, but you know, this team, isn't supposed to have these stinkers in, 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 in moments like this where they need a win to clinch the, they would have won the AFC West at home on Christmas day. If they come out with a good effort and instead they're nine and six still needing to win a game, but they have let the Raiders and Broncos stay alive in this division race, which is crazy to think about Stags. but mm-hmm. I'm just, I am, you know, we'll get into the nitty gritty, um, but I'm, I'm just letting the emotions out Stags because it really was one of the most disappointing this point I've ever been walking out of Arrowhead just with the effort and, and the overall execution from the offense, from, you know, the unit that's supposed to be carrying this team, man, that's just frustrating. Yeah. I was pretty disillusioned as well. Trying to write the winners and losers, losers article. This was one of those weeks where I was just like, I don't even know that you can single out any one part of this offense or the, even this team overall and say, Oh, this guy was the problem this week. There were so many different failures on so many different parts, Pass protection breakdowns. Wandy Morris really struggled. Uh, you had again poor efficiency out of the receivers. You had you had MVS leading the team in, in receiver snaps and getting one target and, and not catching it. This is there was just so many mistakes and so many failures. If you read the winners and losers piece on AirheadPride.com, you'll see. Uh, I just I was like forget it. The winners of the defense, losers of the offense, special teams and coaching. Uh, I mean, it just really was a, a, a total team effort. Um, the only thing that you can hang your hat on in this week was the defense up until they absolutely had to get a stop in that final drive and they weren't able to do so. So it, it really was a, a collective effort. Um, this, you know, they really came together for the holidays. This team. <laughs> well, no, and, and Jeff Schwartz, I know we talked about it pre-show. Uh, he had a tweet that kind of pretty much encapsulated it you know, in terms of what kind of is going wrong with the Chiefs offense, you know, and and it's just Andy Reid talks about it in, in press conferences and it drives everyone crazy because it sounds like the same thing over and over. But he just says, hey, we're just a tick off. And, and he says it so frustratingly, right? Like Andy is not happy to tell you that they're just a tick off, but they are. But, you know, Jeff Schwartz put it, pr- put it pretty good. This was his tweet. Uh, and he had a string of tweets, but I'll just uh, say the one. A wide receiver is open, but the right tackle is beat, so Mahomes can't get the ball there. The protection is good, but no one is open. The protection is good, and the receiver doesn't understand where to settle in the zone. Protection is good, and ball sails on Mahomes. The left tackle is beat quickly, so Mahomes has to pull his eyes down when someone is open to get open or is about to get open. The right guard has a poor block in the run game, so it's a short gain, etc. And then Mahomes just doesn't trust many guys. And it's and it's true. It's a, it's a, it's like a virus. It's infecting this MVP quarterback and he himself, and, and we'll get into it a little bit, but he himself is not, not playing super well. And it's not to say that it's, it's his fault. It's just that this offense right now is so dysfunctional. Um, so just here or there. Uh, and when he says, and when Andy Reese says they're a tick off, it's like, they're like a tick off every play. And, and when, you know, that adds up to a nine and six record. The first time, the Chiefs have lost six games in a season with Patrick Mahomes. I really didn't think we'd ever see them maybe drop that far. And I know there's the extra game this season, but you know, six losses, you know, that that's, I, you know, in his prime is, is a significant thing um, to me. And, and so, yeah, I'm, it, it's one of those things where it's just one thing here, one thing there on the offense. And, you know, we got plenty of questions about the specifics, but you know, it truly is. I'm glad you put it just as a group because it truly was a group effort in, in losing this game on the offensive side. It's it's mistake whack-a-mole with this team every single week. It yeah. is, is one thing popping up. You know, you, you can't really address that because something else is going to pop up. You saw the frustration boiling over with Mahomes yelling at the, the sidelines and, and Kelsey spiking his helmet and Reed getting mad about yeah. 
Kelsey spiking his helmet. Like they're this team is is they I don't think they they quite can put their finger on what's wrong and how to fix it. I know, and that's what ain't that's why Andy he that's what he's trying to, you know, Andy's not gonna give you much anyway, but you know, there's only so much he can say right now. Like, what else is he supposed to say? Like, hey, you know, if we're not executing, there's just nothing else. You know, there's, there's not much, you know, dropping passes, fumbles, penalties. Like, there's only so much a coach can say in front of the media that's going to, you know, change anything. And, and, and really, it's not going to change much. But you also mentioned the special teams, you know, Harrison Butker missing a field goal. You know, Tommy Townsend shanked the punt at a, at a bad spot in the game. Uh, he stood there with, yeah. with his head over his hand or his hands over his head for – like a legit 15, 20 seconds. You just stood there shocked and, uh, you know, it It really did encapsulate the game. And and you did put the coaching too, which we'll get into more. We have questions about specific coaching things. But I really, really was 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 not a fan of some of the play calls. Uh, you know, it worked at times, but specifically on the first scoop and score stags, you know, they just scored a touchdown with a direct snap handoff to Pacheco. And it worked great. Awesome play. I was, it was super impressive. The next time they're on offense, they run a direct snap to Pacheco again. But now they're backed up in uh, in their own territory, and pressure. All the all that happens is pressure just kind of scares Pacheco, and and he tries to pull it to save the play, and it ends up in a fumble because it was supposed to be a handoff to Mahomes, who then uh, rolled back out right and like threw it right. It was supposed to be a, a design rollout, and it would have worked. Kelsey was going to be wide open. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like I like the play design. Maybe not right there. Maybe not in that moment. They just saw you run a direct snap to Pacheco. And and there is something, too, like the defensive line, like th- there's not much cadence. There's probably not much. It's probably a pretty simple cadence when the running back is the one calling the play, right? Like there is probably something to, you know, uh, D-line be able to penetrate easier in that kind of play, especially if they just saw them do it, the play before they were on the field. So I had a problem with that, um, but we'll get into yeah. more specifics as we get into it. Yeah, that was a mess. And, and yeah, you, I could – see how you'd run the same look two different ways and have some success the second time around. Like if they, they just saw Pacheco run it the second time you, you Mahomes gets the ball back. Right. Yeah. But save that for the next red zone trip. Right. <laughs> Later in the yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. There, that, there was no reason for that uh, at all. That made no sense. Uh, there was also a lot of, they were seem to be running kind of a, um, those screen passes uh, to receivers right into the teeth of, of what the defense was, was anticipating those uh, those charts that show the distribution of passes from the homes uh, that it was pretty, pretty ugly this week, right? Like everything was at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And you know, I, you do get that to an extent with the chiefs offense when you're seeing a lot of too high and they're not allowing you to get vertical down the field and they're not allowing you to find space, you know, kind of in the intermediate game because they're clouding it up. I get when that happens, but the Raiders were flying to the line of scrimmage all game. They were abandoning the vertical planes of the field. And it's because they they don't, they have no worry about MVS and Justin Watson getting behind them. They have no worry about this offense trying to beat them vertically. Mahomes only completed one pass down the field. It was that Richie James, um, 45 yard pass, which Rich James was just wide open. Um, you know, great play, awesome. Uh, but you know, it this this defense, this Raiders defense had no worries at all. And and that's the the thing with when you mentioned the screen passes, it's like, how are you continuing to run those when you know they're they're flying to the line of scrimmage and taking them away? There was one that popped. Kelsey popped one. But then we got we had the Clyde screen, right? One of the best plays of the game, gets them deep into the the goal to into a goal to go situation. And then we run two consecutive wide receiver screens to Travis Kelsey. The first one incomplete. And then we just do it again to the other side actually gets bobbled this time, um, but gets corralled. That drove me crazy. And now it's third and goal. You didn't have, you didn't throw into the end zone. You didn't even try yeah. to do anything besides the same stuff. And in the red zone, it's even harder to, to run one of those because the defenders are all right there. They, there's not, there's no deep half to take them to. Yeah. I mean, Ugh. is there something that you could, you could, show them that look and then sort of fake off of that. Right. Like it's, are there, is there other, if you know that that's what they're going to be keying on, is there something you can play off of that and, and, and use a little bit of creativity, but yeah, he's got to be able to throw the ball down the field. There was another tweet that I thought was really insightful that uh, I saw and I, I'd love to give it credit, but I don't remember who, who it was, but 
Mahomes really hasn't been throwing in rhythm to the design reads. Every single play feels like a, a scramble, a fire drill. And in yeah. Mahomes is good at that to some extent, <clears throat> but it can't be every play. Like this offense has got to find some way to execute play in, play out in rhythm, the way it's designed to go and then save those scramble drills for when you need them. Right. Exactly. And, and it always, you, whenever you see a Mahomes big rushing game, like these 53 yards he had, it always coincides with a, a, a game that either they need it the most, right? Like a big playoff game or like a big game. Cause he's not ever wasting a play. So if it's, if it's not there, he's, he's, he's finding yardage. He's, he's going positive or it's one of his most inefficient games. And, and this one falls into that category because whether it was the pressure, whether it was the receivers not getting open, whether it was the play calling, not necessarily manufacturing open receivers, he was not. And 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 there were absolutely times where he was just missing the throws himself. But in terms of the scrambling thing, uh, it just seemed like he was not comfortable at all. And it got more and more uncomfortable as the game went on. The Raiders only blitzed Mahomes three times throughout the game. Um, and so that's pretty reminiscent of that Bengals game plan, right? Where they and and the Raiders did have times where they only rushed three, dropped eight into coverage, um, really clouded up that you know that short area of the field, and that's where you saw Mahomes have to kind of manufacture it himself. You know, that's that's the kind of stuff that makes you think of the 2021 AFC Championship and 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 what how he can get into his own head when he doesn't trust the receivers as much to 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 catch between tight windows and you know and 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 in short areas or he doesn't trust the pass protection to hold up against three man rush because unfortunately Wanye Morris did give up some pressures when it was just three guys he 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 allowed around the outside Mahomes was not comfortable with his blindside all game there's just a lot of stuff man uh there is a there is a lot of stuff uh you know and and but it all comes down to the fact that the pass offense really truly is just not threatening a defense down the field. Like I really feel like that is the core of it, that this pass mm-hmm. offense, whether it's the pass protection, whether it's the receivers cannot threaten downfield and, and, and defenses are, are, are selling out because they, they don't feel threatened at all. Yeah. Did you have anything else from the instant breakdown this week that you wanted to share? This is uh well, we didn't talk much about the defense, so maybe we should, you know, sit here for a second, talk about the positivity, talk about maybe the details of, of how the defense played because, you know, early on, Chris Jones was unblockable. Um, I, I thought at first we were going to see a three-four sack game from him because uh, it seemed like every time Aiden O'Connell uh, wanted to drop back or in a play action, Chris Jones was was winning through the line. Um, the defensive line, the pass rush was just re- relentless, especially you know once uh, you know the game kind of settled in and and uh, or you know at first I should say, but once the game settled in and the Raiders had a ten-point lead. You know, that's that's tough for the defense, right? They didn't even give up the 10 point lead, but now all of a sudden they're playing from behind. The Raiders can run the ball. They can kind of play, uh, you know, kind of dictate the the script a little bit, the game script. They're not having to play from behind. And so I think that did take away from the team's ability to get pass rush, even though it looked like it was they were primed for a big day. I think if the offense would have played a little better and, and put the Raiders in a hole, you would have seen a huge game from the, from the pass rush. But still two sacks, a lot of pressure on Aiden O'Connell. And how about Lajarius Need? You already mentioned the Devontae Adams thing, but but man, I don't know. He just keeps keeps shutting it down. I don't know. It, it is it is pretty ridiculous. So I, I I do think the defensive the pass defense being elite, only allowing forty eight net net yards is is definitely worth pointing out. I mean, it's it's that's how this team. If this team wants to make a run, still, I I think we all know it. it it's the defense and doing stuff like that that's going to do it. Forty eight net yards is insane. Not completing a pass after the first quarter. Is, I mean. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And heading into that final drive, they were under 100 total yards, I think, or, or well under 200 total yards uh, as an offense, uh, the Raiders were. And then all of a sudden, you know, again, end of game, they, they had to have it. You know, Zimmer White breaks off a couple of, a couple of big runs and, and the game's over. Yeah. Um, you know, at that point, you know, the defense kind of probably is a little exhausted, a little demoralized, whatever. Right. But, but yeah, uh, really, you can't fault this defense at all for, for what they were able to do against the, the Raiders this week. And yeah, really encouraging stuff from Sneed. Sneed got hurt, came right back in, a play later, you know, never missed a beat against, against Devontae Adams. And that was a, uh, that was really, really fun to see. Chris Jones had three quarterback hits. He definitely was consistent right. in getting home 
Um, you know, there's some good stuff there. I saw I like the tackle for loss from Mike Pinnell. I feel like he's been a pretty positive influence the last two weeks against the run. Um, you know, this is a guy who was part of the, you know, remember the MV, MV Pinnell talk oh, yeah. years ago when he was a part of that Super Bowl run, and that was what, part of what he did was just came in and solidified that run defense. Um, you know, again, the stats, if you look at them now, aren't that impressive on the run defense, but but prior to that final drive, they, they had shut everything down. Yeah, and it, it is worth pointing out on that play, the, the big touchdown run that really felt like the, you know, it, it was a nail in the coffin for sure. Or not touchdown run, excuse me, just a 42-yard run by Zamir White, like you mentioned. It, it is worth noting that, you know, Nick Bolton had a chance. He, de- he definitely had a chance to shoot the gap, make the tackle, um, and, and, and definitely, you know, definitely wasn't the greatest play on his part. And and that's and that's discouraging um, a little bit just in terms of, you know, it's the it's the game. It's the moment, you know, you, you want to make that play. But you mentioned it like you can't. It's hard to say, all right, defense, you got to make that play when they made every play, play after play after play throughout the entire game. And 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 this it, it is unfair to, to, you know, to put it too much on them. But they did have a chance to give the offense back the ball. The, uh, the Raiders got the ball back with with what, four minutes, three minutes left. I think it just yeah, actually it was just under three minutes because. Uh, I was I was getting driven crazy by the Chiefs' uh, time management in their in their touchdown drive. I think they could have given themselves a little more time um, if if we saw a little better time management, better play calling from the Chiefs on that last touchdown drive. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it's just hard to, you know, again, Nick Bolton had a chance to make a play. That is a fact. Uh, he definitely could have shot the gap harder and and tripped up Zamir White before he he got through the hole and and made the forty five yard run. But again, he, he the run, you know, for the most part, the defense was locking down and and, and holding the, the Raiders down. Well, not that we need it this week, but uh, <clears throat> Ron's new segment about <laughs> being a party pooper. Uh, what what do you got for us this week as far as something that uh, we haven't even talked that much about yet? Uh, that that was a big problem. Yeah, no, we talked about Wanya Morris a little bit, right? As as you know, a rookie left tackle, you know, being on the Mahomes blind side, that is, that is absolutely going to be something that, that maybe was a little overlooked when he first took over for Donovan Smith. Hey, no matter how, you know, good or bad Donovan Smith was doing, he is still a veteran. He is still someone that, you know, has played in this league long enough. And, and, you know, a lot of times this year, the pass protection has been, you know, pretty good, but it was not good against the Raiders. And it was, it, it was a lot of whining, but it wasn't just him. You saw Jawan Taylor, Give up some edge pressure as well. And, man, it is getting to a point where, yeah, he is, he is not performing up to that contract, even if you try to take away the penalties. I, You know, he is not, you know, necessarily. And I do think I have confidence that he is still someone that can, you know, can grow and, and be a better player, you know, further on into his contract. Uh, but it's just, you know, right now I think the edge protection is not very good. I, I think Mahomes feels very uncomfortable with his edge protection, his edge uh, pass protection. And then at the same time, you know, it's starting to get highlighted a little bit. You know, Trey Smith is just kind of a, you know, an inconsistent blocker at times. But it's it's not the one-on-one stuff. I really think it's it's when defenses do the pass rush stunts, uh, you know, really the twists and, and just kind of move around. It just seems like, you know, Trey can be can be late to stuff and 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 that's going to hurt a rookie left tackle as well. Um, so you're talking about, you know, a few kind of uh, a few kind of soft spots in the pass protection. Both, two of them being on the line, um, or on the on the edges of the line, excuse me, and, and kind of really you know protecting Mahomes's his pocket and giving him you know comfort and stepping up into his throws. I, it, it it is you know it is a little concerning that you know we're we're sitting here and you know people are kind of people got a little too comfortable I should say, and I am I am one of them as well. I'm, I'm I should speak I should speak about myself with Wanya Morris again, a rookie. He was a third round pick. Uh, he was, you know, he was projected to be a day two, you know, day two, day three, you know, late day two, uh, uh, early day three kind of pick, not someone that you expected to start right away at left tackle. And that's one thing for me is in the training camp in the preseason, you know, I definitely thought he looked much more comfortable as, as a right tackle. And that's because he played right tackle in his final two years in college. He played left tackle his first two years in college. He has experience at both, but I do think the left tackle thing's a little harder to get down. It's something that he is switching from playing right tackle the last two seasons. And so it's not like a long-term thing that we need to worry about. It's just, hey, we have a rookie left tackle who wasn't even a day one pick protecting Mahomes' blindside. Like, just that's all you need to say. It's, it has nothing to do with Wanye. Just 
that is a that is an issue, and that is not going to just go away when they play the Ravens. And when they play, I mean, the Ravens, my God, I mean, their pass rush is going to, you know, really give the, you know, if they were to match up, you know, the Browns, Miles Garrett, are you kidding me? And some of those stuff they can do. That's where, I, you know, this is a party pooper kind of thing because they have actually been able to mask it pretty good, but it's, it's, you know, a game like the Raiders where a Max Crosby type of player is in there and, and, and wreaks havoc, but he wasn't even the one who had three sacks. It was a Malcolm Kuntz who had six sacks in three Ooh. seasons coming into this game. Malcolm who Kuntz, that's, you know, his middle name. Uh, yeah, I, I, Mahomes and it, and, you know, I think Stags, you can, you can speak to this too, but I do think, you know, once the pass protection, you know, shows it's kind of weaknesses like this, it can play into Mahomes's psyche, his mentality as a player. And haven't we seen that? We've seen that before at times in his career. Yeah, we've got a couple of questions on that topic. So let's uh, tell you what, let, let's get to break and we'll come back and get to your questions. And there's a lot of them, uh, as there always are after a loss. Uh, plenty of things to, to dive into about the rest of this season and even into next season. Uh, we'll head into break with our usual game here. Yes. What NFL player am I? Uh, Ron, feeling confident this week? I'm, I'm stumping you, Stags. I'm stumping you. I'm, I'm tired of throwing you softballs. So here we go. What NFL player am I? I played for the Chiefs and the Bengals, who are the Chiefs' upcoming opponent. I started my career in Cincy, but I finished it in Kansas City. I was a big boy and became a fan favorite, but never had more than a sack or four tackles for losses in my career with the Chiefs. Who am I, Stags? Let me know on the other side of the break. And we're back on the Out of Structure podcast. Thank you for sticking with us on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. We appreciate all your questions. We've got lots of them to get to. But first, Ron, you may have stumped me this week on the what NFL player am I, someone who played for both the Chiefs and the Bengals. You said it's a defensive player that started their career with the Bengals, finished with the Chiefs, and never had more than a sack and four tackles for losses. But so, a fan, but a fan favorite, definitely a, a, a guy known in Kansas City. So I, at first I couldn't think of a single player that started – their career with the Bengals that finished with the chiefs. Um, and then it, it just hit me. Could it, could it be, could it be Carlos Dunlop? That's what I was leading you to. That's who I was. Uh, that's what I was baiting. That was the, the bait on the, the rod right there. But Dunlop did have a more productive time in Kansas city than, than that. So uh, he gets a little more credit than that. No, this is Sean Smith, big Sean Smith, defensive tackle, he was he played for the Browns too, and and maybe more known for that. But he was a Bengal. Uh, did start his career with the Bengals. Had a few years there, um, and then finished here in Kansas City. And and you know only had a couple years here. Didn't do much, but just just it seems like he is known in Chiefs lore. Uh, you know we we all love the big guy, big defensive tackle. Played three years here. So somebody who just, Smith. Somebody who just grabs life by the balls and uh, <laughs> <laughs> really yes. really seems to enjoy yes, tags. Exactly. That's why that you know, and, and honestly, I could have put that in the hint. I could I could have gave you a little a little. Oh yeah, that would have been over. All right. <laughs> well, let, let's start. Let's start with your questions. In and let's start with the coaching staff. We have a, a handful of questions about Chiefs offensive coordinator Matt Nagy. Dominic Jasper is Matt Nagy the problem with the offense? Heidi Yeager. I, I call it Jaeger. I don't know if I'm mispronouncing that or not, but I, I like it that way. Is Nagy causing the offense to suck? Um, Max Power more subtly. Why does the offense strangely resemble the Bears of a few years back? And Captain Video, how much of this is on Nagy? Uh, will Reed take play calling back if he doesn't, uh, if he hasn't already? This looks like a train wreck with no happy ending. All right. So, We've talked before about the coaching staff, about how it's pretty hard to isolate, you know, what's going on from one coach to the other. The Chiefs definitely have a team approach when it comes to the offense. They have yes. guys who help with game planning, who guys help with in-game in play calling. Andy right. Reid yeah. always has a pretty heavy hand in there. How much do you think it's naggy? So the thing here is that – and and it's it's something that I feel like maybe – 
Like, did I miss a meeting where like Chiefs fans just like all agreed that this report was a lie? That in 2017, Andy Reid handed over play calling duties to Matt Nagy during that stretch of the season. Like, that happened. Unless, unless we all agree, unless we just think that was a lie, and just to get him the promotion, which yeah, hey, that's you know fair to you if you if you want to if you want to push that. But <laughs> my my thing is that, and now he wasn't even the offensive coordinator then. Uh, he was like the quarterbacks coach or, uh, you know, just like a pass game analyst. My thing is that I do think there's times or to, depending on games or stretches of the season where maybe one one guy is maybe get, like giving their input a little more than any of the other guys. And Andy's kind of directing that, right? Like, hey, you know, and that's probably happened with the enemy at times in the past where, you know, hey, you know, I'm going to let the enemy kind of, you know, maybe dictate the flow of the game, maybe, you know, uh, in between the twenties or maybe, you know, maybe on third downs or in the red zone, something like that. You know, I, I do think there is something to that. I mean, I, I just, I, I, I bring that 2017 part up because I think it is fair to say that like, it's not just Andy Reed calling the plays. Like, I think people just say that and like, why would you, you know, it's, you know, Andy's obviously has, you know, I don't think that's, ex- it's not as easy as that to me, in my opinion. I think there are times where Nate, where Reed relinquishes the reins to an extent, um, and gives his coaches a chance to prove themselves as play callers and, and you know, and or maybe just switch up the tendencies, you know, so the defense doesn't – I think there is something to that. So, I don't know. First of all, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it back to you and see what your reaction is to that. So, let's talk about that 2017. Uh, I, after some extensive research, uh, they made that change right before they played the Jets in December. Uh, and according to NFL Network – the Chiefs had averaged 30, almost 33 points a game for the first five games. Then they dropped down to 18 points a game for the next six games and fell to six and five on the year. They had scored 10 points or less in back-to-back games before handing over the play calling to Matt Nagy. Um, so they had a lot of big plays early on and then a bunch of checkdowns and, and uh, really – not able to take advantage of, of the situation. And, and then here's the narrative on that game, that first game after they handed it over. Uh, let's see. The Chiefs had poor discipline and sloppy play on offense, and the Jets <laughs> won uh, 38 to 31. That was a crazy um, game. Alex went off, a bunch of deep touchdowns. But, yeah, we had a bunch of penalties. I remember that game. Yeah, so, yeah, there was <laughs> – uh, yeah, two two big Tyreek Hill touchdowns, two Travis Kelsey touchdowns. Um, so I don't know. I just found it interesting. Maybe some uh, a little bit of parallels there. That in that scenario, the Chiefs' offense had stalled, uh, and then they they came back to a uh, to this idea that that Nagy was going to call the plays, and then it immediately was a sloppy game and ended in a loss. I don't know. Maybe it's a coincidence. Well, and they did score 31 points. So you could even flip it and say Nagy got the offense going. Uh, But no, I think, I I guess my point being is just that I, you know, this year, I think there's, there's a case to be made that, you know, maybe there's times where, you know, Andy Reid is more so playing, calling the plays. And there are maybe times or stretches where Nagy is more so calling the plays because he is the offensive coordinator. He has been a head coach in this league, even if he failed, Andy Reid sees that sees this as a guy that has, you know, ha, he trusts and 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 thinks highly of. Um, but to Max Power's question, why does the offense strangely resemble the Bears of a few years back? This game specifically really did feel like it had like Nagy written all over it, and that Nagy maybe was. And and this is pure speculation. I I understand. I could be completely wrong, because I think it's fair. It's been pouring it out on Twitter, and and it's a fair thing to point out to me, is that. Nagy's offense is Andy Reid's offense. So saying that Nagy is calling the play, like it's it's the same offense. Like it's not a different playbook when Nagy is calling the plays. But there are tendencies. There are things that go into calling the plays, the rhythm of the game, the flow of the game. I think you can tell. I think Andy is better at it than people give him credit for. And I don't think Nagy is very good at it. And that's what I think you saw on Monday, honestly. I really do think. That situational stuff we talked about the 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 Pacheco direct snap backed up, talked about the red zone quick screens, like I know Andy does that at times, but 
I don't know, man. That feels naggy as heck to me. It really does. It really, really does. And you saw those play kind of games in, in Chicago, but he did have Mitch Trubisky. So it's like, okay, that's fair. Like you can only do so much when your quarterback is limited to that fashion, but you do not have a limited quarterback here. And so I just, to me, I do think there is legitimacy to the fact that Nagy is maybe just not, I think he's way better on the whiteboard. I think he's way better. Like, you know, coming up with stuff and, 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 and coming up with design and scheme than he is at implementing it in the flow of the game. I, I really feel like there's something to that. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying I can, you know, I'm not saying that's, or, you know, I don't know if it's going to go back and forth. I don't, you know, I don't know if, you know, I, this is all speculation. I am just telling you that it just felt to me like I was watching a Matt Nagy. Like I, it felt more Matt Nagy in this game. I don't know. Did you have any inkling of that? Did that cross your mind at all? Yeah, it, it didn't really. I mean, I know a lot of people pointed that out, so I'll, uh, I'll I'll defer there. But you know, Nagy's presided over some successful offenses as well as as some unsuccessful ones. Uh, that you know, that Bears team actually, as much as people want to criticize, the Bears team actually improved under his tutelage. Uh, it, it didn't uh, it didn't end well, but he had that team on the verge of, be, of being pretty good. Uh, so I don't know. I still you know. I still believe the reports that he might even be Andy Reid's successor here. So uh, don't get too excited about them moving on from him or, or uh, uh, you know, identifying him as the problem and booting him out. I don't know that the Chiefs see it that way. Uh, however, we see it. Oh, yeah. Well, and and that's the thing is, you know, Nagy has been with Andy Reid a very long time. You know, there are things that, you know, read trusts with him that like, you know, there's no, there's nothing we can quantify about that. Um, and to me, it just feels like he, he might just be a better quarterback coach and like, you know, play schemer designer, you know, like, I just feel like maybe this is in, and you know, Hey, this is, this is me just all speculation again, people like I'm just, you know, being again, we are, we are fans just as much as we are analysts. I hope I, I know people, you know, we're just we're just fans that like to do this, you know, do this in uh, a lot of the time, right? Just talk about it. So, to me, it just feels like there is something to the fact that, you know, when Nagy, uh, you know, is 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 maybe I should just say it like this. I just really feel like Nagy is a better quarterback coach, better play. play I, I know I just said that, but play scheme designer. I just feel like maybe he got elevated too quickly to being a head coach, to being in charge of stuff. He is a younger guy, and so. I think there is something too. He is like a, he is still, and I said this before, right? Sags, you've heard me say it. Like, I do think he's a little more buddy, buddy with Mahomes than he is like a coach and like a, a disciplinarian authoritarian authority over him, which I'm not saying anyone needs to be like a dictator. Um, but the enemy, I don't think ever was buddy, buddy with Mahomes. And maybe that brings Mahomes, the best out of Mahomes that, and, and, and maybe, and, and it's all speculation again, but maybe we just, can't see that with Nagy and and there's pros and cons to each coaching style, but that's just one of the cons of Nagy's coach style is that he doesn't maybe have the fire, the same kind of fire to bring it out of Mahomes like like the enemy did. Because those spats on the sideline we saw between Mahomes and EB, I think sometimes they, you know, it, it, it was pretty productive. Uh, it ended up, you know, getting Mahomes locked in and, and, and getting it turned on. So I what, know, I, I, what I will say about the coaching staff is I, I think there's this trend or this uh, tendency for NFL head coaches to bring in their guys, right. And stick yeah. with their guys. Uh, Reed is as guilty or more guilty of that than, than just about anybody else. Um, when he has tried to reach outside that, you know, zone, I think you get good results whenever you bring in some outside voices sometimes. So if there were to be a change in the off season, I would love to, for them to bring in some, yeah. you know, some outside voice that they they don't have a lot of direct experience in. Maybe it's Cliff Kingsbury. Maybe it's you know yeah. it could be anybody, right? Um, on defense, this is not quite the same parallel. But this week, you saw the success of Antonio Pierce as the head coach of the Raiders. Uh, he's somebody that the Chiefs tried to bring in as a linebacker coach in recent years. Um, you know that that would be a, a an example of an outside voice coming in that really can make a big change. And I think he's made a big change in Oakland or in Las Vegas or wherever the hell those the Raiders <laughs> are now. Uh, and, and I think that team, you know, is going to benefit from his perspective. Uh, and, and I think the chiefs coaching staff could probably use 
a little, not a major shakeup, but maybe a, a little bit different perspective this offseason, ideally. Um, now, I, I do want to move on because when you talk about the Chiefs and you say, why is this team a favorite to win the Super Bowl every year? Uh, it's coaching, which we just covered, and it's quarterback. Uh, so we have a couple of questions here about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Jay at Enigmatic Story 8 on Twitter. How much blame does Mahomes have on today's loss? And Chris Schmutz, uh, they're clearly joking, I, I hope, uh, asking when the Chiefs are going to cut Patrick Mahomes. I, I saw some other comments that, you know, this is a, uh, you know, th- this was a game at least where, uh, oh, yeah, somebody on Twitter said that the Chiefs would have won easily if Baker Mayfield had been their quarterback uh, as opposed to, to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, that's a little bit of recency bias, obviously. Uh, but how much of this is on the MVP uh, versus the rest of the team? Yeah, I mean, I, I know I said it earlier, but it just really feels like the virus that is the lack of a supporting cast in the receiver room, the, you know, the falling apart pass protection that's kind of just seems to get worse and worse as the season has worn on. Um, and even some of the 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 kind of the the lack of detail stuff that we we talk about the no huddle rehuddle stuff. I mean, I think that is all kind of just infecting him to a point where it is affecting his play and making him not play as well. Like you see some of these missed throws. I I saw a few missed throws from him, um, including one to Kelsey, where you know I know people that saw it on Twitter. I know it does look like him and Kel- uh, Watson and Kelsey are kind of almost in the same space, running into each other. You could say. Well, he was trying to, you know, make Kelsey sit on this route. Um, well, the reason Watson was anywhere near Kelsey was because he got held up, uh, and it, it did get held, uh, flagged for holding. But it was a, it was a typical crosser. Mahomes and Kelsey do it all the time. Kelsey makes a move at the top of his route and busts across the field. He's sprinting to be to get away from the guy that that is in man coverage against him. And yeah, Mahomes just puts it. It's as bad as a. It's as behind of a throw as I've ever seen uh, throwing a Kelsey on that crosser. Um, and it was wet conditions, right? I do want to say that you know it was you know pretty dr- uh, drizzly. Uh, it was cold, but Mahomes usually is pretty good in the weather uh, conditions. So I don't know. To me, it's not like I'm saying it. You know, it, it's Mahomes' fault that the offense doesn't look good. Um, but Mahomes is not overcoming the staff to to kind of to. He is doing it to an extent um, in terms of, I mean, they did score two touchdowns this week. And, and, you know, if the defense does get that stop at the end, who knows? Maybe Mahomes pulls it out of a out of the hat. But it just feels like to me that was one of his worst performances. But it's not because like he is just like not like he's just all of a sudden not as good as he used to be. It's because this offense is really taking a toll on him mentally. He is not comfortable with the pass protection. He is not comfortable with the timing of the receivers. There's so many times it feels like the route where he is throwing it and where the route ends up is just not the same thing, man, there's a lot of stuff, man. So I, I, it's yeah. not necessarily on Mahomes, but he did have one of his worst performances of the season individually, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot to that. Uh, the mental side of the game, you know, Mahomes is so good uh, mentally and physically, obviously, but there's been times in his career when he has struggled. And in, in each of those times, it is because at least, to our estimation, it's been because he didn't trust the pass protection and he didn't trust his receivers. So it makes him doubt what he's seeing. It makes him hesitate to take longer. It makes him scramble around when he doesn't need to scramble around. Those are some signs that he is not comfortable and that he's not trusting his eyes, not trusting his his gut, you know, on the field. Uh, that hesitation, that indecisiveness, that's when he looks bad. And, and, when he's decisive, when he's on time, when he's in rhythm, uh, making plays, <clears throat> that's the Mahomes that, that we know and love. This is not the Mahomes we know and love, and, and it has to do with – it has to do, I think, with confidence. Um, and I do think he's been rattled a little bit more this year. Uh, you saw him going off on the offensive line this week. You saw him uh, yelling on the, the sidelines last week. Uh, this is somebody who's clearly frustrated with this offense – in a number of different ways, he's barking at receivers, you know, for, for not coming back to the ball or not, uh, uh, you know, catching the ball when it hits him in the hands. I mean, it, this is, it's not wrong. It's not, I would say a problem. Uh, they're certainly not going to cut or bench Mahomes. There, there's still nobody you'd rather have back there, but he cannot do it alone. And he certainly can't do it alone 
or with the team if he doesn't have the, the confidence uh, of the guys around him. So uh, I, I don't know what it takes to, to – you can't just build that confidence overnight. We had hoped that that would build over the season. Um, but I don't know how you go forward from here, but you just have to hope that uh, that they start to get on a roll at some point. Yeah, and this could have been my party pooper segment because my I think you just hit it right there is that I don't think that confidence or, you know, I don't think whatever has affected him is repairable this season. I really don't. I really feel like we're going to see some of the same stuff pop up through the end of the season and we will have to see them fix it in the off season and and next season he can he'll he'll maybe come back with a better but I I really feel like that's the case I, I really do I believe that so well let's let's talk about the offensive line because a lot of that is where it starts is does he trust the guys in front of him I think we've established in your in your section earlier uh, and throughout that he doesn't um, Russ A says he would definitely take those golf carts back uh, I saw I saw a meme out there of uh, Golf carts with uh, those uh, those yellow uh, parking boots on them, uh, <laughs> like there's getting repoed. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a couple questions here about why didn't the coaching staff give the offensive line more help? Uh, maybe an extra tight end or you know some max protect type situations. Did you see anything schematically that could have been done this week? Honestly, to me, I feel like for the most part. Uh, there were times they were giving them the extra help. Wanye was definitely left on an island at times, but you got to. Wanye was going against, you know, not he wasn't going against a big name guy. Max Crosby a lot of time lines up on the right side of the offensive uh, formation, and so this Malcolm Coons guy wasn't someone maybe that they felt like they needed to, you know, truly, you know, help him out with a ton. And it's something that they really have to juggle because they need to get more guys out in the route to help with to help get guys open. Because the less people that are out in the route, the easier it is to cover. And the harder it is for receivers to get open, um, so I think it's a really hard balance. I feel like this week they they had they there were plenty of times Kelsey stayed in for a second to chip, and that sucks because <laughs> then Kelsey's not out on a route. So it it, it was a tough kind of balance. I don't think it, they really do struggle with that, and so I don't think that was like the the easy answer solution this week. Um, I think they did that enough. Yep, I I think you covered that pretty well, JC Proctor. Do we really need Trey Smith and Joe Tooney back? I mean, the offensive line is going to have a lot of decisions to be made in this offseason or the next couple of offseasons. You've got Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey contracts coming up at some point. Uh, Joe Tooney's contract is is massive, and I think he's got an out coming up. Um, you know, this interior of this offensive line is supposed to be the best in the NFL. It, it, it should be the best in the NFL at this point. It has not been this season, I don't think. Um, each of those guys has struggled at different times. But can you can you really afford to to completely rebuild the offensive line again this offseason? I don't think you can. The one thing I can say though is the guard position historically in Andy Reid's offense has always been a low invested. Uh, position and one that they can get away with kind of maybe not having the best player at. They've done it plenty of times throughout the Andy Reid era. Uh, this this part of it has not been the case, right? We have really good players, we think, at, at guard at the guard position. But, you know, if this team really wants to get serious about surrounding Mahomes with weapons, they may have to sacrifice Tooney's contract, which does have another year on it. Um, I don't think they'd like trade Trey Smith, um, but you just may not let him. You may just You just may not sign him, you know? You just may not sign him after next year and you save that money. Um, so you yeah. do have cap room for the receiver for a receiver for another skill position, right? Just looking at spot track, you know, there's not much that could be done this coming off season. Um, Joe Tooney has a $26 million cap hit in 2024, $22 million of dead money. Uh, if, Ooh. if they were to, to, to let him go. Man, so, I didn't realize that. Well, yeah, they're cheap. Yeah. There's nothing you there, can do. There's nothing you can do with, with Joe Tooney in 2024. Now in 2025, uh, Tooney's contract again, a $26 million cap hit, but $11 million in dead money. Uh, you're saving $15 million there in 2025. Maybe maybe that's the year where you can actually make a decision. Um, 2024. Hey, thought, this was his up. I thought 2024 was his fourth year. Did he sign an extension? They restructured. Uh, oh. There was a restructure along the way. I think it was part of it. Uh, Juwan Taylor can't do anything with his contract in 2024. 
his uh, yeah. his dead money exceeds his his cab number. Um, you know, so Creed Humphrey, you know, obviously Creed Creed and and Trey Smith will be going into the last year of their contract. Yeah, you know, they're going to be very very cheap in twenty twenty four. You may so you may maybe the next offensive line rebuild conversation happens in twenty twenty five, and yeah. and for now the Chiefs have to figure out how to get the most out of the guys that they have and solve the left tackle position, whether it's Wanye or somebody else. Um, maybe next year we do see Wanye and, and Taylor flip uh, as we thought they were going to be uh, going into this season. Uh, Taylor at left tackle, Wanye at right tackle. Uh, maybe there's, there's some things like that, but it can't be done in season. It has to be after the season, and you can't really do much personnel-wise in 2024. To me, it looks like the 2024 season personnel-wise should be based around the wide receiver room. That should be the focus of the rebuild. Uh, the offensive line, they've just got to coach them up as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I think I think the skill position group in general, um, I think it'd be nice to see them have a little more, uh, you know, a little more depth at the running back and tight end position, um, even if that is, you know, not the m- biggest investment, Just just maybe someone more, you know, more effective than what they've had this year. Yeah, let's let's talk about wide receivers then. We've got lots of questions here. Um, and, and a couple of them looking back, Breezy uh, on Twitter, I remember preseason when the Chiefs fan says, we need to keep eight wide receivers. We have so much talent. Uh, you know, I, I was guilty of that. And I think a lot of us were to say, hey, oh, yeah. you know, they have a lot of options here. None of them are slam dunks, but some of these guys are going to hit, right? Some of these guys are going to hit. And frankly, one of them has hit big time. Yes. Which yes. Uh, the, you know, is Richie James coming on now? Maybe he had a big play this week. Not a high volume guy yet, but but maybe he's coming around. Uh, Kerry Kaberga says, was Pete Sweeney wrong about the wide receiver room <laughs> not being a problem? Um, it, again, we're looking back to preseason and saying, hey, what did we think about this room versus what did it turn into? Well, I, I to to be fair to Kerry, I I do think Pete um, has has been on record recently talking about you know they have enough in the receiver room. I do think he changed his tune. Uh, in I think after this last game, it does feel like and and it's because the once I think that's one thing we kind of maybe buried the lead here is that you know the doom and gloom does feel like it's really happening because they really are out of the they can't get the one seed anymore it kind of the, the entire time it's like, well, if they still have the one seed, like, you know, it doesn't matter how well yeah. they played. So all, so that's kind of the preface, but um, no, I, I, I think we were all wrong. I think a lot of us are wrong because we trusted this team, this organization to, to surround Mahomes with, with an appropriate amount of talent. Cause they did honest, last year. Right. right? And it's that, largely the, the same group. Virtually the same group did it last year. You can say Rasheed Rice is now better than Juju Smith-Schuster was last year, or at least as good production-wise. I mean, I'm sure there's some some nuance to to how uh, Juju Smith-Schuster plays the game that Rasheed Rice hasn't yet learned. But you know, all things equal, what where we got ourselves in trouble was hoping that guys would take a step. We've been hoping that MVS would take a, take a step since the day he was signed in Kansas City. Right. MBS is exactly who he has been his entire career, having actually a down year probably. Uh, but last year he was exactly what he's been the entire his, his entire career. We were hoping that Sky Moore would take a big step forward. He may have taken a step back. So that's and, and we hoped that Kadarius Tony was the number one receiver type that was going to put up big numbers in this offense, and he, that has not been the case either. So those three guys. I think you get yourself in trouble when you project them, project growth, and it doesn't work out. They had a lot of options this offseason. Those options have dwindled now with Sky Moore being on IR, with McCole Hardman you know, not quite being healthy. Uh, not that he was an offseason option, but he's a, he was an in-season option. Uh, and then just the really, to me, it all comes down to the lack of development of Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney that has doomed this room for this season. You can't fix that. They're, they're not, they didn't take a step forward. You hope that they would, you know, the, the fact that MVS is still the leading snap getter uh, for this offense, you know, is mind boggling uh, given his, his lack of production. I, I wonder if that's just a, 
desperate attempt to say, hey, maybe we can maybe we can still get him going. Maybe we can still get MVS back to, to what he was last year. But the the hope is the part that is is not panned out um, as well as we thought. Well, and to get into Jesse Epperson's question, more MVS and Tony are obviously useless. Why aren't Ross, Justin Ross, Richie James, and Rasheed Rice getting more targets? Rice is getting plenty of targets. That's that's you know I yeah uh, I, I don't maybe, think we need to worry about that. And 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 yeah, I know exactly. And that's not a and and that's a good point because it's not like that's not a bad thing on his part. It's just that it's you're we're putting way too much on a rookie receiver um, early, and and you're gonna see maybe some of the inefficiency like a six for twelve at times because there are things that a rookie is going to you know kind of not be able to catch up with right away. The dude also asked, why isn't Justin Ross getting more targets? Even Roma was pointing him out as on a small number of snaps. Can everyone else see his talent other than our own coaches? Now, this Ross thing, I will say, is kind of perplexing to me. I, on the pick six, just because he is open, like after the ball is thrown and after the guy has the ball in his hands, doesn't mean he was open on the play and Mahomes should have thrown it to him. Uh, it was a really good play on the corners part. He he really bailed and and showed like he was going to take away Ross, and that's why you saw Mahomes throw it so quickly to to the to the short because the cornerback really did a good job presenting like he was gaining depth and going to take away the corner out Ross was running. Of course, it's going to look like he had plenty of space open as on a corner out once the guy is breaking on the pass and intercepting it. I so that's a whole other thing, but I do think. It, it, yeah, they do. He does need to eat into MVS's snaps. He does need to eat into Justin Watson's snaps. I know he doesn't have the same vertical downfield ability they do, but he has the contested catch ability they don't have that yeah. could still work down the field. So I absolutely yeah. think he needs to get more opportunity. I, I would agree with that. And again, kind of going back to my previous point is you can't continuously just hope that you're going to get more out of MVS. you got to shake right. stuff up. Uh, the dude th- also threw out there, is having MVS on the field considered malpractice at this point? <laughs> I, I think it's it's borderline. It really is. And and I'm not one to call for somebody's benching, but if if I'm not, if I'm that coaching staff, if he's not inactive, he he's his snaps are reduced to to basically zero, and he's a break glass emergency type receiver. And we're just going to try something different. It hasn't worked. Let's try something different. Um, and it's not just going to get better by giving MVS the most snaps or the most targets. Like you, you've got to, you've got to mix it up. Uh, I don't know if Justin Ross is that answer. He's an, it'd be a great story if it was, I, I'm not feeling super confident in that, but I would absolutely mix it up and I would absolutely not play MVS at this point unless I had to. Yeah. And I feel like this week might've just been a lot of like injury related, right. Uh, you know, Tony all of a sudden missing the game. Sky Moore is on IR. Um, so, you know, there's some snaps where they just, you know, it has to be eaten up by somebody. And guys like Justin Ross and Richie James haven't been around all season, um, haven't been in, you know, in the flow of the offense all season. But I do hope we see Richie James get more opportunity too. He feels like, you know, Tony, you know, maybe a little dialed down on the playmaking aspect, but just a little turned up on the fundamentals, on the, you know, receiver aspect of it. And that's kind of what they need right now is, is, is a, is a, a Tony that's maybe not as, uh, as, as, as volatile. Uh, uh, and that's, I think what Richie James is. Yeah. I, I think Richie James has some, has some possibilities. And we, we thought this coming into the season, this, he's a, a nice, reliable option. He's got, I, would, I keep saying he's got just enough wiggle that he can get some yards after catch. He can get loose a little bit. Uh, I think he is somebody that you can throw some volume to out of the slot. Um, but <laughs> Rich Testerman, <laughs> I, I love this question. Why don't the wide receivers get open? Why can't they catch? Are they on crack? Um, <laughs> you know, there's no evidence that they're actually on crack. But <laughs> it, hey, it is, all options are open right now with, with how it, they're playing. I mean, it, it is bizarre. They're either not open I think or they're not catching the ball or they're in the wrong place or they're quitting on a route or it, it's something. Yeah. I think I, you know, and, and we, I, I, this is the last thing I'll say on that, but uh, I think it'd be more like uh, you know, the, the downer type of things uh, that, that, you know, I, I think they'd be more like eating too many edibles or something before the game or something. Uh, right. I think, <laughs> I think if they were doing that, we might get, we might get a better game. Honestly. <laughs> You're feeling lethargic out there as opposed to, uh, as opposed to fired up. Yeah. It, it, it's tough. It, it's tough to keep positive about 
a wide receiver room that has been an issue all season from literally the first game. And you keep saying, well, they'll come together. They'll figure it out. They'll develop. They'll whatever. And, and it's 16 games in the season, and, and they have not. Um, so the rest of the mailbag questions are some of these are kind of big picture here. Um, and, and I don't I don't know the right order to go through these, but uh, let me start with the positive uh, from uh, at Joe Amores uh, on Twitter. We've accomplished more in the last five years than I ever would have dreamed. Sure, it's frustrating, but no team can be – can be elite every single year with this quarterback will always be in games the rest of his career. The GM will find the right players. He mostly does, but sometimes the ride gets bumpy. I love the optimism here. And there's some, you know, historical precedent for this. There have been times in uh, this, this chief's run where things have looked terrible and they figured it out. Um, Corey Blake break is sort of frustrating. Sorry. He's sort of struggling with this internally. How do I reconcile my frustration, but still appreciating the run that they've been on. Uh, And then the Oracle is just straight up (laughs) over the cliff. I'm done. The chiefs of my (laughs) past have returned. The last five years were a fluke. All of you chiefs and Cubs fans know what I'm talking about. Um, (laughs) Royals fans too. uh, You know, there are a lot of emotions flying around for Chiefs fans at this point. How do we reconcile, you know, to to the way Corey says here, the frustration with this team, but still appreciating, you know, the last five years? You know what I'll say on this is that appreciate the frustration because I do think when the team is winning and the team, you know, in those seasons where it's, you know, 2020 where they went 14 and two or whatever it was and and barely had any, you know, any losses and there's barely any adversity you know, that is not as fun. And I know it sounds, it sounds crazy, right? But it, it, you know, the adversity is really what makes fandom fun, you know, feeling the ups and downs, feeling the, you know, and, and you know, this low feeling we're having now is, is, is really, is really because, you know, we had had the high lows and we know what the high lows are and we've gotten so used to them, but this is going to make the next high feel great, right? Like make the next time. And, and it's still like, you know, this team, is championship material. You know, I, you know, I have been pessimistic, you know, for, for a while now. So I'm going to stay pessimistic. I'm not coming off that, but you know, it, you know, this team, you know, they're, they're, they're in a, they could always do something crazy. Right. So, you know, pre- appreciate the downtime because I really do feel like, you know, it, it helps the good times feel even better. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's, you know, when you're the front runner, it's, it's not as fun. I feel like. If they do find a way to go on a run here in the playoffs, if they if they put it all together these last couple of weeks and then go on a run through the playoffs, it's going to be a really rewarding season to say, hey, they've been through some tough times and and they fought back and, and figured it out and went on a went on a run. I don't know how anybody can predict that that's going to happen at this point, uh, given what we've seen. The trajectory is just not there. But hey. If it happens, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. And if it happens, it's going to start this week against the Cincinnati Bengals, the Chiefs' old nemesis, uh, the, a rivalry team, if there is still a rivalry uh, amongst the AFC you know, contenders. Uh, I should put that in air quotes there. But uh, what do you see from the Bengals in the matchup this week? Uh, and, and can the Chiefs – can we actually expect the Chiefs to win and, and actually – clinch everything that, that not everything, but everything that's left on the table, the AFC West crown, a, a playoff uh, berth, uh, and possibly one playoff home game, not home game throughout, but they might get one. Um, if they win this week, that's all still on the table. Uh, what do you see from this matchup that gives you confidence one way or the other? Well, you know, that's the thing. The Bengals are that are like the worst type of team. I feel like to play right now because now that's this is still a rivalry. I don't, you know, Joe Burrow is not there, but you know, this is still this, uh, largely the same team that the Chiefs beefed with, you know, the past two seasons, and you know they would love nothing more than to spoil the Chiefs' season and to really make them panic in Week 18, playing with their backs against the wall, um, even if it is against the Chargers and Easton Stick. You know, that's that's going to be nerve wracking as heck if the Chiefs can't get this done on Sunday. Because the Bengals have been, play, been playing good ball with Jake Browning, man. They really have. Uh, Jake Browning almost makes you question, you know, 
hey, like, you know, Burrow really is is set up well, right? I mean, because you're seeing a lot of the same successes that Burrow did. Obviously, Burrow is, is a much better quarterback, and, you're see, and you saw that uh, last week when they went to Pittsburgh and got destroyed um, by that Steelers defense. So there's definitely a chance yeah. that happens where this Chiefs defense pounces on a backup quarterback and, and, and Orlando Brown Jr. gets a little uh, gets a little home cooking. <laughs> but uh, but I don't know. I, I think I think this Bengals defense is going to be one to really uh, put uh, kick the Mahomes offense while they're down. So I'm, I'm this game is going to be a, a, a high intensity game. Yeah, the Bengals defense has always given the Chiefs offense fits. Um, and, and so I think you, you've got to be concerned about that, the way the Chiefs offense has played. You know, I'd still argue if they if they can somehow figure out how to play a clean game, uh, the Chiefs should win this game. Uh, but it's not going to be a cakewalk. You can't take anything for granted with the with the backup quarterback uh, in in on the Bengals side. And they're eight and seven. I don't think they're eliminated from the playoff hunt. I no. mean, they're 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 probably on the outside looking in, but they could they could find their way back. They've got two tough games left to the Chiefs and the Browns, I believe. Uh, are the next for the Bengals. So yeah. it is uh they're gonna have something to play for, something to prove. And yeah, there's no team that probably loves beating the Chiefs more than the Bengals outside of the division. Uh so it is uh it's gonna be one to watch. It's gonna be nerve wracking. It's gonna be not fun at times. Hopefully they find a way to get it done um and and go on a go on that playoff run. That's all we have left to hope for. Um that, that things turn around and, and they start executing. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be a short uh, short season. But um, let's wrap up there. We appreciate you all being with us today, and we hope to be back with you next week after a, a Chiefs victory and clinching the AFC West for the eighth straight season. Should have done it this week. Uh, still not too late if they can do it uh, next week. Uh, after that, uh, all bets are off. So, uh, let's hope for good things in the new year uh, in, the, in the new podcast season. We have some questions we didn't have time to get to this week. We will get to next week. A lot of those are about the off season and about New Year's. Uh, so hopefully you all have a, a wonderful holiday season. Uh, you enjoy the end of the, the 2023 year, uh, and, and we'll talk to you in 2024. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe.